HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is supported by The Finch, a seasonal American restaurant in Clinton Hill, and by Sea Management, a global leader in creative talent management. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. Souther. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I really like this applause whenever we when we, when we, we sign on. We sign. <laughs> it's nice in-house yeah. audience. I also like his really hard cuts. Yeah, it doesn't really fade anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, thing, the thing about the audience is they're actually just constantly applauding us, whether I turn their <laughs> mic up or down. I see. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> it's like being at a, at, a, at a World Cup football game. Yeah, football. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the crowd is the crowd is constantly making noise. What's going on, buddy? Hey man, nothing. Uh, not a whole lot actually. Um, I I took a weekend off. Good for you. Yeah, I, I was actually in town for once for a whole weekend. Wait, in town and off work. And off work. Wow. And I just hung out, man. I I didn't. I just ate a bunch of food. Go anywhere interesting? No. Just hung out and ate at your, <laughs> at your apartment. <laughs> That's great. You know, I feel like I feel like people think. I, mean, that, I went to my regular hunts. I feel like people think that like we don't ever do that. You know. I feel like people think that our life is just a constant party. It, it kind of, well, I mean... It, in a lot of ways it is, I, I agree, but that's kind of work. But then there are days where you're just like, oh, I'm just going to yeah, like, lay around the house and watch 10 episodes of MASH. Well, <clears throat> I mean, 20. I'm, but, on, I'm on season six. <laughs> but yeah, It I mean, just like, got released on Netflix like three weeks ago. I'm on season six. That's amazing. <laughs> I watch like three episodes a night when I get home from work. Heck they're, yeah. They're 22 minutes long. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, and it was just nice to actually be in town. Not be on the road, and be able to just hang out at like Frankie's in the backyard, have yeah. some have salad, and like some rosé. Be a normal person. Chilling. Yeah, yeah, man. What about you? Uh, you, you had know, your, uh, yeah, your party last night. Exactly the big party that I had at Porch Light for the pre-release the of my party. book. I'm just here for the drinks. Um, you can still get your pre-order in for Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any of the thank you any of the places that sell books. Um, and we did. Uh, we donated uh, part of the profits uh, from the evening last night to the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, the DBSA. Um, it's a group that uh, is, you know, helping people deal with uh, with depression. Um, and you know, I'm trying to maybe do a little bit of work with them to focus specifically on folks who are in our business who deal with this stuff because I've been pretty vocal about my dealings with depression and anxiety. And, uh, and and how it affects me at my work and in my life. And, and I feel like more and more people in our field are coming forward to say that they're having problems with this sort of thing. So it's a hot topic for me. So we raised a little bit of money for them. Uh, the press came out and got a bunch of books so that they can hopefully write about the book, uh, also hopefully kindly. Um, and then we did uh, <laughs> a, a, a couple hours uh, of just the public coming in and being able to purchase a book uh, in advance because the book doesn't officially drop for another two weeks. Uh, so right. a lot of people came and got... An advanced copy of the book, and it was a great party and a lot of good time. And 
I'm exhausted today. <clears throat> well, but it's not it's not for lack of hard work, obviously. Right. Um, yeah, man. Well, congrats on that. I can't wait to get my copy. <laughs> oh, did you want one? <laughs> I'm just here for the book. I'll make sure you get a copy. I'll mail one to the studio. All right. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna ask your publisher to send me one. You know, one of those press copies. <laughs> I think he would have laughed you like, off. I mean, He'd be like, just get one from the guy. I usually have a bunch of books stacked up somewhere. I, th- I saw them out in the Oh, the there, booth. there. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you come to my bar to Grand Army, you'll see a lot of books. And I I always, like, I, I this is a thing, actually. Do you like, get to read them all? Do you read them all? Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, but, like, for every free book I get, I go out and buy it for as a gift for either like one of my staff members or a friend or a family member. Oh, that's nice. Oh, there's always there's always a birthday. You go and like huh. you get alerts every day on Facebook, you, you know, so and so and 11 others have birthdays today and you're like, "You know what? All right, I'm going to make a pledge I, right now. I pledge to donate the price of every single book I get from now on to a charitable concern." There you go. So every single book that I receive for free from now on, I will donate the price of that book to a charitable concern. There you go. How's that? You got it. I like your plan too, but my, my plan is, my books have just become... You books. always have to one-up me. Well, no, no, my, 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 the books that I get have just become the library for all my team. Sure. You know, they can... Well, yeah, same as... They can same. grab them anytime. Yeah. So I don't have to give one away. They can just come take one off the shelf. <clears throat> yeah. Sometimes they don't come back. Like, I definitely well, have you know, some long like, signed return. ones that like... Oh, I like, hate that. Because yeah. I do like signed books. I'm yeah. kind of a nerd for it. Yeah, me too. I gotta try and get all my books signed by the authors. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Let's talk to our guest. Yeah. <laughs> let's get noisy up in here. Yeah. Noisy Voisy. Yeah, Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte Noisy. <laughs> Charlotte Voisy is in the studio with us. Uh, it's actually uh, been a long time coming. Yeah. I've been doing well, the show for eight years, and uh, and she's I been mentioned to you in passing a couple times. And you're like, yeah, whatever, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thanks for you know, finally being on the show. Oh, gotta, my pleasure. I'm super excited to be here. you got to be nice, Damon. I'm nice when I ask people <laughs> to be nice. on the show. Actually, I'm not nice, I don't think. I don't know how, I don't remember how I asked you, but I usually just tell people, hey, I want you on the show, and then I say some dates that are available, and then they, go, they just pick one. <laughs> I think that's actually how it went down. Yeah. Uh, uh, Charlotte Voise, director of advocacy for, for William Grant and Sons, which is one of the largest. They're like number four, number three. Do you know? Uh, is there a I, ranking? Does it matter? It doesn't matter, yeah. I don't think, but yeah. we're not quite we're not quite as big as people think. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I kind of thought you were one of the bigs. Yeah, I don't know if we make <clears> the top tens, but it's okay. <laughs> um, we just lo- as long as plug it along. <laughs> as long as plucky people... little group, hope they make it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> bet on the little guy. That's right. <laughs> not quite that either. Uh, and you've been uh, working for these guys for a dozen years, which is crazy that sounds way more than 12 when you put it that way but right. yes it's been 12 years <laughs> well next year it's a baker's dozen ah, break <laughs> out the cupcakes <laughs> yeah 12 years now 12 years in the u.s 12 years with william grant yeah so you were bartending and bar managing in the uk yep and then these guys you were well talk to us about that you were feeling a little it's time to do something new and then these guys made this offer how did that work out yeah, I'm, I had been bartending for a bunch of years and then managing a cocktail bar for about four years and loving it and doing really well, both personally and the bar. Um, but I was starting to see other people's career progression in the industry and kind of quickly work out that it can sort of go one of two ways. It can stay in operations, which invariably can involve the late night thing, or the industry was starting to develop. There was a lot of education, a lot of competitions. There was a lot of need for brand work at that time, back in sort of the early 2000s. So there started to become these opportunities where, hang on a second, I could stay in the industry I love, work with the people who inspire me and I love being around, use everything I've learned, but not necessarily have to go down the late night route, which I'm a morning person. I have no business being in this industry. <laughs> but I'm here. Nope. <laughs> So that's when I started to think, you know what, if the right opportunity came around, I'd be very interested in it. Um, and William Grant approached me and said, we'd love for you to work they, with us. They approached you. Yes. You were just slinging drinks behind your bar and managing bars, and they walked up and said, hey, you got the moxie we're looking for, or whatever. Yeah, I'd had a great relationship with them, as I did with other suppliers, as one does as a bar manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. So the UK office, the London office for William Grant is in Richmond, which is West London. So if they're coming into London for an evening out, 
they're going to hit my cocktail bar before most others because I was in Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So it's all about geography yeah, and location. Yeah, location, location, location. Sure. location. Yeah. So they would always catch me first. So I just kind of became, would not their local, but... they catch you when they were sober. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah they maybe, remember you. Maybe that's why <laughs> yeah, I like them better. Yeah. Because I never saw them at the end of the night. Yeah. Sure, and also they probably, you know, you were the first impact of the evening. They remembered you better maybe after running around all night. You know, like we were talking before, even... You have a tasting menu that's nine courses or more. Yeah. You start forgetting what the first and second course was, yeah, right? For sure. So maybe they, you, you know, yeah, maybe that they, they remembered you from the beginning instead of going so deep in. Yeah, and like when Monkey Shoulder first was being still in concept, they would bring the bottle and ask me to put it on the shelf to see how it looked. And you know, there I'd put it next to the single malts, and they're like, "No, put it with the bourbons because that's where we see it." Fit. Like all this kind of stuff. Just mm. uh, so I had a good relationship with them. So when they approached me, I was like, "That's interesting." That's that interesting. the kind of company or people that I want to be around. Love the brands. Obviously, Hendrix had recently come out. Adored that. Um, so it felt right. And then the catch was, oh, and you get to move to America and travel a lot. For so there a was a downside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And to move to America, move to New York. Yeah, move right? to New, New York's York. its own country. Yeah. Like, it's not America. Well, move to New York, but instantly I was 80% on the road. So it really was move to America. Sure. You know, that's what it became anyhow. And even way back then, was, was, was your territory the entire country? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Pretty much. Wow. Especially when, when Hendrix was released, it was... But you weren't even doing Hendrix at that point, right? Uh, you first, were... you're right, yeah. So f- <clears throat> my first role with the company was the Glenfiddich Grand Ambassador. So that oh, okay. was the opening. Yeah. And that was an East Coast role. So based in New York, up and down the Amtrak region, as we call it, mm-hmm. yeah. up and down the coast. Um, and then about six months later, for the 2007, that's when the Hendrix role opened. And that was national. So that's kind of when <laughs> the gates blew open. Sure. The frequent flyer miles started piling in. And I, I was everywhere all of the time. Yeah. Yeah, you, you are everywhere all the time. I really like was. You're, you're, yeah, like you're, like, back then and, you're like the Questlove of yeah, Brain Ambassadors. Your face is everywhere. Wow. No one's ever <laughs> gone there before, I, Damon. I like it. I, yeah, I mean, like, Questlove's everywhere. And yeah. so are you. Um, I, I want to ask you uh, some, like, I feel like I travel a lot. I feel like Souther probably travels a lot as well. But, like, you are on the road all the time. Right. Or in the air. You live on what, a plane. What what do you like? What what is your travel advice? What are your like your like hacks or tips? Uh, I mean, like, because I don't know how to pack light, and I don't. Oh yeah, but I'm not very, a morning person. Also. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is not an insult in any way, but you're very fashiony, so I think packing light would be difficult for you. You have to have. Like, I have a lot of hats that take up a lot of room. You have hat, that's, that's true too. You do have hats. You like entails. You brought three, right? You were just there for I, four days, and I probably bought three at uh, Meyer the Hatter. <laughs> down the road from the Monteleon. But I usually go to Tails without a hat so I can buy one at Meyer the Hatters. It's the oldest hat shop yep. in, yeah. uh, in the it. South, right? Yeah, in the South, yeah, mm-hmm. 1894. And yeah, uh, three, so I'll fly back with one. It's at like 310 St. Charles. I know it. Yeah. I used to work kind of right next door. Yeah. But nice. yeah, I mean, like, it, as far as, uh, I mean, like, typically, like, when I'm traveling, you know, I, like, even if it's domestically, um, I will always bring a, a carry-on bag because I never know if I'm going to have to bring back bottles, for instance, like mm. if I'm in a different region of the United States. You know, it's different when you when you live in New York and you have access to pretty much everything sure. all the time. Um, but there's some things that you want to grab when you're in, say, like if you're in Texas or like Wyoming or whatever, wherever you might be that has something that you can't necessarily, that they don't distribute to New York. I don't know. That's one thing for me. Yeah. What are your What are your travel tips? And it doesn't have to be just packing. No, no. I, and it took a while for me to figure some of these things out. Right? Of I course. Was, I remember one time. Don't where, know till you know. Yeah. <laughs> one time I rocked up to um, Las Vegas in like May to do a training. It was the opening of one of the big casinos, and um, typical Charlotte story. You know, I land in the taxi straight to the training. There's no like wiggle room. Uh-huh. There's there's no like get in the night before and no. So I get straight there, and Drew Levinson, who's now with Breakthrough, good old-time friend of mine, he's like, it's Las Vegas in May. Why do you have your ski boots with you? And I said, (laughs) (laughs) 
I've been on the road since March and we had this thing in Aspen and, you know, I've been back there and just sort of bored him real quick with my travel schedule since March. You know, that's kind of how I used to struggle through it. And then I discovered like FedEx. Yeah. Like, I was about to say ship your stuff. FedEx stuff to yourself. Yeah. Like suitcases and ski boots and those bottles of things you buy in Texas or yeah. hats from uh, New Orleans or whatever it might be. Sure. So that's become real key. Like if I'm on one of those multi-stop trips, I'm like shredding and sending, sending stuff, stuff back, back home on the way. That's, yeah. You know, you can do the opposite too. I, one of my regulars at, at Long Ago Bar uh, at the Atlantic Grill was a lawyer who traveled a lot. He said, yeah, I, always, I, don't, I don't ever carry a bag ever. I, I ship my bag to the hotel. I ship my bag home. Really? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. What a baller move. But, I mean, you know, lawyer probably has just <laughs> yeah, money all over him. But yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> But but I, I do understand that notion and I've I've done that too. I mean I have a motorcycle in Portland to... and I have one in San Francisco, one in LA, and I've got two here. A boat in every port. I like I've got it. Some <laughs> in Oklahoma, you know, like. But but yeah, it's like I guess that would be my equivalent. Yeah, I've got some guitars in San Francisco, so yeah, like spread your stuff out. out. And it's just like I don't have yeah. to carry my guitars on the flight or like risk checking them like in the the belly of the plane if there's like you know they could get messed up. Sure. Due to like the temperature and right. pressure and everything. Anyway, How, that's, that's a good move. All right, that's that is one, valuable yeah. information. Yeah, right ship there. that stuff. How uh, how does that feel to kind of live on the road all the time? Where is your home? Is it here in New York? <laughs> it is. It's here in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's exciting. You know, when I was little, I always I never knew what I wanted to be. I just wanted to travel and be mm. famous. But <laughs> hey, it's still like one out of two ain't bad. <laughs> no, you're pretty famous. You're pretty famous. No, no, no. But <laughs> Even to this day, and this is going to sound lame, I'm sure, but I'll, like any time I get to an airport, there's just something about the possibility that still excites me. Even LaGuardia, even on a Monday morning, I just think, you know, what if I would just <laughs> roll the dice and, and, and go anywhere, somewhere? It still excites me. Like, travel is such a gift, and I get to do it for work. It's That's excellent. It's truly exciting. Amazing. I have yeah. vertigo, <laughs> but I love being on flights. Yeah. There's something also about just like when you're taking off, just like that, the way the, the, the thrust, oof, the thrust of the, yeah, it's, it's the amazing. G forces. And I actually kind of love, like, <laughs> this is weird, but kind of love uh, rough landings. Oh, yeah, man. That is weird. Yeah. It, it, but it's, mm. no, it excites me. I I'm do like, too. Right, we're I love the rough flight, like all the turbulence, turbulence and everybody yeah. gasping. <gasps> I'm like, yeah, this makes me yes, <laughs> mind blown. Mind blown. Oh, I'm the one gasping there. Yeah. yeah. Not Still. A, not a fan. Yeah. Also, my best I always, friend. I always uh, say that my favorite bar is, uh, you know, they have the, the most limited uh, selection of, of uh, drinks. It's like sitting there at, uh, you know, at my seat at like 11, 11C on the aisle, like right. emergency row with, uh, you know, whiskey on the rocks. Yeah, or gin tonic. <laughs> or gin tonic. Yeah, my best friend Todd, uh, who I mentioned in the book, Damon, I don't mention you in the book. Uh, my best friend Todd in. has a, an irrational fear of flight. And he has to travel a lot, and it's horrible oh, for yeah. him. It's really bad. Yeah. I've flown with him, and he will clutch my arm mm-hmm. the entire flight. Uh, it's not just take off and land. He has no, no, yeah, the whole time, and he has to get himself pretty liquored up just to get on the plane at all. And he oh. has to fly a lot. Oh. So lucky for you that you don't have that. He yeah. likes to be where he's going. He just sure. doesn't like to get there. Yeah, right, it's tough. Horrible. Uh, let's go back to you uh, with the William and Grant uh, action. You got hired on to be this. Uh, uh, to do scotch for them yep. were, you, were you enthusiast of scotches I always ask brand ambassadors do you really love the juice that you're yeah. pushing right were you were you like I'm scotch is my game I totally take this job yeah well f- I think to be candid you know I was a bartender bar manager I loved everything right mm-hmm. I was passionate about the whole industry yeah of course still am. Um, it was William Grant as a company that I fell for um, if I'm honest mm-hmm. rather than Glenfiddich itself mm-hmm. But, you know, my first week was a week at the Glenfiddich Distillery with David Stewart, who was the malt master at the time. And, I mean, if you you guys have been to distilleries, mm-hmm. if you've been to Scotch distilleries, it doesn't take long to fall in love with yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, it's very romantic. Yeah, smelling and touching. And so... Um, I just I, love copper. So, like, well, the copper see, alone. My, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but and Glenfiddich is the founding brand of William Grant. Sure. So that was w- literally the distillery that William Grant built. So it was really uh, valuable to me to spend a lot of time with that brand and appreciate the foundation of the company. Sure. Uh, something that I obviously carry through to this day. Um, so was Scotch my go-to? No, absolutely not. But it was. It's also 
I think back then, certainly one of the most difficult categories to learn and understand. Just everything. I from, think still. Still, right. So it was really valuable for me to have that in my pocket as my strongest category. I mean, flip forward to last year when the Bar Five Day guys invited me to teach alongside them, which just blew my mind. And they asked me to focus on single malt because to them that was always, that's how they kind of met me. And that was sure. always my strongest category. So it was an incredible opportunity in hindsight that that's the way I came through. Yeah, outstanding. Yeah. How about the notion of being a woman 12 years ago and being asked to be in this position, especially for scotch. Oh, was, yeah. that a, was that a battle? It, it or maybe not a battle, but was that yeah. like a, a there, hurdle to overcome? Oh, definitely eyebrows raised and that kind of thing. People would absolutely expect a guy to walk in in a kilt and preferably with a Scottish accent, you know. And here I was. <laughs> a, <kilt. laughs> a female, English, although most people think I'm Australian. Because my accent has uh, derailed along the, the years. All the travel, um, sure. So, yeah, there were definitely a few eyebrows raised. But, you know, I, I, I approach that topic the same way I feel about being a female in the industry in general. I've always had a really easy path through the industry. And I don't just say that lightly. I, I recognize and understand now that that came from a lot of privilege and a lot of luck and being right place, right time. So I never really had those battles. Um, but I understand that they do exist, and colleagues of mine, especially females in whiskey, have had them. So it's it's real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah. obviously getting less and less so, but I, yeah. I would imagine a dozen but years ago then, that there was certainly, yeah. you know, did you feel in, in any way that you were like tip of the spear, forefront of this kind of thing? or Not at first. You were but, just focused on learning the job. Yeah, I was just kind of doing my thing, but... Uh, Places like, uh, or events like Tales of the Cocktail and some of those g gatherings, you know, other females would come up to me, younger females in the business would come up to me and sort of either say thank you or, you know, we respect you or you're out there doing such a great job or setting a great example. And I came to realize that whether I wanted to or not or asked for it or not, I was a mentor to women in this industry, especially younger women looking for ways to rise up. And along with that platform came the responsibility to, you know, lead by example do the right thing sure, um, sure. so that's when I started oh. taking it a bit more serious and, and realized that I might have had it easy but a lot of people don't, don't. therefore yes. I need to be on their team wow yeah uh, we're just around the halfway mark of the show we should take a quick break uh, and then you've got something for us to drink yep um, the rumors are true people uh, Charlotte travels around with a hothouse cucumber in her bag uh, <laughs> it just came out it's on the cutting board now so we're going to come back uh, in a second with noisy Charlotte Voisey <laughs> <laughs> This episode is supported by The Finch, a seasonal American restaurant in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, where chef owner Gabe McMacken and his team are focused on creating a living restaurant where the choices they make consider the long-term health of the business and of the community. Learn more at thefinchnyc.com. This episode is also supported by Sea Management, a global leader in creative talent management representing artists in the fields of photography, creative direction, styling, hair, makeup, manicure, and set design. See Management. Management with a vision. Learn more at seemanagement.com. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. In the studio today, we have Charlotte Boise, uh, William Grant, and Sons. Yeah. And she brought us... Uh, she brought us something to drink. Yep. I'm going to open this bottle. Oh. oh. There's the sound. Nice. <laughs> the sound uh, that launched a thousand ships. Literally. <laughs> I always say that when I crack a beer, but this is champagne, so it's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Is it champagne? Yes. That is champagne. Yep. Uh, what are we going to drink? So I wanted to bring uh, some champagne to congratulate you, Sather, on the release of your book, the pre-release of your you book. You know, it's so great. Thank you. 
It's so great when we have like thoughtful guests on. <laughs> and you know who's the most thoughtful guests? Like bartenders, for sure. They want to take care of us and be hospitable. But the brand ambassadors that come on the show, they really think think about it. Yeah, no Ruff Bomb and Dave Wondrich iced us immediately. <laughs> uh, but oh, that's yeah. lovely. Thank you for that. And uh, you know, I'm gonna better. have a, I'm gonna have a bit. Yep, uh, and so you also brought a bit of mix there to make us uh, a 75, right? Yeah. So French 75 has long been my favorite gin cocktail. Um, so I brought a Hendrix French 75 base. So if you'd like to have a French 75, let's do it. Do that. I um, would love to talk about the French 75 for a little bit. Yeah. Sure. Because. That's a good lead into our next thing. This is what's called a segue. <laughs> in the in the business, they call that a segue. Um, the the first seventy five. There's people debate all the time about whether it's a, a cognac or a gin cocktail. And what's your take on that? I mean, like I know that being a uh, obviously. Since it says French in the title, right? People think, no, it's got to be cognac. And I know there's like a 95 or 125. Um, what's your What's your take on that whole situation? I mean, it's a anti aircraft gun, right? It's, it's a, a the artillery shell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my my take is that it it is a cognac cocktail by its origin, but it became a gin cocktail when it got back to America because that's what people were mixing with at the time. Yeah, you can go ahead and pour one for Matt. Matt, we're pouring you one as well. You listening? No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, d- I do definitely think it began as a cognac cocktail. And listen, I love a cognac French 75. Um, sure. But I think it developed into a gin cocktail. And I love to talk to Chris Hanna about that at any opportunity because <laughs> he doesn't agree. But he has to make them <laughs> every night for all of us. Yeah, yeah, by the... <laughs> truckload um well thanks for bringing all the accoutrement to make this and then this is a nice segue because you pretty quickly you moved from uh the scotch into gin and that gin is i'm sure in this drink absolutely that's hendrix hendrix gin (laughs) yeah a a unique and unusual gin right Um, indeed and you've been with them basically since they launched Hendrix launched in the U.S. around 2003, so there were a few years oh, okay. there yeah, when it was kind of just out there really being seeded. I don't know if launch is the right word. Sure. Um, but it was, yeah, January of 2007 that I moved over, and that was the first Hendrix ambassador that we had anywhere in the world. You were the first? Mm-hmm. Wow. So you went from being a Scotch ambassador in America, an English Scotch ambassador in America, <laughs> to being... The national brand ambassador for a relatively new gin that was kind of weird. You want to talk about why Hendrix is unusual? Weird? We like unusual. to say here. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk about it. Yeah. So Hendrix um, Boutique cheers, Scotland from. Oh, yeah. uh, How do you say cheers in English? <laughs> uh, Jackass. Cheers. cheers. <laughs> Had to think about that for Matt, a minute. Matt, we have one out here for you too. So Hendrix is made That's in Scotland. Delightful. Which, back, you know, isn't so unusual now. And yes, there are other gins made in Scotland, but one associated gin with England, especially, again, we're talking a dozen years ago. Mm -hmm. The gin landscape was very different back then. Um, But along came Hendrix and kind of challenged the traditional perspective on what goes into gin. We all knew about juniper. We knew that there was sort of coriander and citrus involved in most gins. But, you know, cucumber? You know, how how peculiar. So uh, the whole point of Hendrix, or the brief behind Hendrix, was to create a quintessentially British gin. Um, and really, you know... Made in Scotland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what could be more British than sitting out on a rainy Scottish summer day eating cucumber sandwiches in a rose garden? I mean, they're just sort of these uh, both icons and aromas and tastes of Britain. Um, and that's really what Hendrix was all about. Sure. And how many cocktails out there already existed and especially have proliferated since then that involve gin and cucumbers? Like, they're, yeah. they're seemingly the a Gordon, pretty natural... The Gordon's Cup was, like, the classic. Yeah. yeah. P- pretty like natural pairing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there were other gins that had used cucumber garnish before Hendrix came along. I think there are some old ads from back in the 60s and stuff. Um, Gordon's, to yeah. your point, being one of them. Um, but I think Hendrix was the first to use cucumber in the recipe and certainly Hendrix was the one that went above and beyond to celebrate the cucumber and build a pedestal to put the cucumber on right and to this day the cucumber is the most revered 
botanical in Hendrix, and we salute that cucumber as often as possible. <laughs> salute the cucumber. Salute the cu- Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's our hero. It's our, uh, yeah. Salute the cucumber. So um, it was definitely, I remember when I first tried it, I was living in Oklahoma City. I was a bartender. I had just started bartending. And it was in, yeah, it was the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. It must have, yeah. So it, as you said, it didn't launch in 2003, but it it kind of started making its way into the United States around then. Yeah. So it must have been right around then that I tried it. And to be honest, I wasn't too big of a gin drinker. I was more, I was more about whiskey uh, back then, and. I <laughs> no, don't think, dude. That's like sorry. Oh, take uh, it back. I take it back. How's <laughs> your seventy-five, Matt? It's very tasty. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I will. I will say that um, Hendrix was the the gin that like turned me into a gin drinker. Amazing. Um, and that was because like you know, the gin said. I mean, I'm obviously like. In Oklahoma, there wasn't. We didn't have like the wide array of uh, spirits and 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 yeah. access to the stuff that we have here or in a lot of places. But nowadays, it definitely exists there. But it was like it was new. It was unusual. Yep. Check. <laughs> and, yeah, got it. Got it. Cool. <laughs> Ticking uh, the boxes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it it really changed the game, you know. And it also like ushered in a lot of new thinking, especially mm. it. It kind of, in a way, really embraced for the United States more of like a West Coast style. Right. You know what I mean? Like yep. for cocktails, like kind of like like a fresh, like fresher herbal, like lighter kind yeah. of vibes. You know. Yeah. Whereas and like the the East Coast is all about like stirred, bitter, boozy, and the West Coast is like fresh garden, you mm-hmm. know, stuff. So like, yeah, it, I point. think it changed. It definitely ushered in the United States kind of cocktail vibes into making like fresher style drinks. You yeah, what was Do you your, agree? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What was your, I mean, that the, I think that was the collective subconscious at the time. The fresh movement was happening and then you came yeah. out, they came out with this product that, uh, you know, again, put that on a pedestal as well. It seemed like a happy marriage all the way around. What, what was your, what was your, what was dictated to you as your approach back then and what was your personal approach back then to, to getting it into people's hands? Um, first of all, nothing was really dictated. You know, that's not how William Grant kind of operate. But it, it honestly, it was all about education, and it was about bringing the, the cucumber to life and and the and the personality of Hendrix, right? Because uh, fortunately for me, Simon Ford had come to America about six months prior, and he did all the groundwork. <laughs> right. <laughs> he educated on gin. He brought it back into fashion. He got you know the tastemakers, the influencers, right on board. Yeah. Um, so that I could kind of come in and Steal his sweep, sweep up with. Uh, <laughs> now that you know that you love gin, here's something a little different. No, offer an alternative. We worked very closely together of back course, in those yeah, days. Yeah. Um, the high tide raises all boats. We say that all the time in the bar world. I'm sure it's the yeah. same in, in advocacy and, and, and ambassador yeah. world. Especially back then, it absolutely was. Um, but my approach was definitely, you know, and depending on where in America I was, I would walk into some parts and people would sort of look at me patronizingly and say, this is America, we don't drink gin. You know, you sort of that's an English thing. Just as a sort of, you know, obviously it's not true. But what I would do is just sort of say, well, why don't you just have a, have a nose, like smell it? Because the aroma of Hendrix is just so beautifully orchestrated that then people will be like, oh, first of all, that smells different. You know, it smells fresh and green and, and grassy and, and cucumbery. And then they would try it. And honestly, like once people actually try Hendrix neat, they're intrigued and they like it, like nine out of ten. That's not an official statistic. That's just uh, right. sure, that's what just I just... kind of remember being the case. Sure. Um, so yeah, it was it was trial and it was you know putting on fun events and it was just being nice to people and being memorable and, and having fun um, and using those relationships that I was fortunate enough to have started making while I was a bartender in London because much like today, uh, fewer occasions but we would still travel around the world and do sort of guest shifts and, and pop up in food and wines and things in other countries so that's where I would meet the likes of Dale DeGroff and Tony Abuganim early on. Sure. So I was using those relationships as well. Yeah, of course. 
and what uh, how what what what, do you, what what is your approach today? What do you do today? How are you? Because you're now kind of the boss of the team. Kind of, yeah. You were the team. You were the <laughs> team the of team. one. Yeah. Well, now we have so we have 25 brand ambassadors in the U.S. That's across all of our brands. Uh-huh. Hendrix would have five um, alone. So my approach now is to support them, mentor them as needed, so that they can do their thing and deliver great results for us using their approach. It's always uh, tickled me that you can have five completely different people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, um, but some, and different personalities, but somehow they all embody one brand with a very distinct personality, Hendrix, yeah. perfectly. So I love helping them find their way and their way to sort of bring Hendrix to life for their audiences. So that's my job now. It's really to deliver great moments through them. Um, and every once in a while, I'll still throw myself on stage and do my thing because <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And, and I can. And, and you know, I've built up many relationships over these 12 years. So Well, you've also built up your own personal reputation and persona, mm-hmm. and you have to make sure that that's still visible and tangible for people so they can relate to you, right? Yeah, You true. were talking before we got on about how... You're sort of like what would you use the use the, the 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 soccer analogy, right? The player manager. Player manager, yeah. yeah. So you're not yeah. you're not just telling people what to do. You're doing it too. Yeah. Which is what Damon and I do. We're owner operators. We yeah. I get in there and sling drinks or yep. clean the toilets or whatever needs to be done. Exactly. So the team can see that I'm not asking them to do anything that I'm not going to do or. Yeah, and it means the world because um, I've always thought of myself as the bridge between bartender community and corporate. America, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same with the brand ambassadors. A lot of the people we hire come in from the bar world and they may not have had experience in the corporate world. And it is a culture shock. So I'm also able to be the bridge between them and their new culture. So just kind of... You have to teach them the way. Stuff on the blow. Yeah, teach them the way. Certain things like sales and KPIs and like all the expectations from... it. I think it's important to note that, and maybe you can talk to this uh, a little bit... um, with your transition, especially especially back, you know, twelve years ago, um, going from being a bartender to a brand ambassador, and like how that role has changed over the past decade, mm. um, it was. It seems to a lot of people still to this day that a lot of like young, especially younger bartenders, they're like, I want to be a brand ambassador because they see they see the fun side of what you do, mm-hmm. like throwing big parties and like lavish dinners and like doing training events stuff like that but they don't All see the travel and yeah like the crazy you don't have to show your work to them yeah right? but like yeah show it to your bosses you know right like, there's like there's a lot involved with it you know there's yeah i think it, it definitely takes a certain type of person and that's right. not a talent issue or skills necessarily it's more about sort of drive and attitude and ability to be diplomatic. I mean, it's ambassador for the reason, for a reason, yeah. right? Just managing different personalities, being able to sort of say no, being able to manage your own time, being entrepreneurial. Um, there's a lot of stress that comes along with it, and everyone can hack it. Not a chance I could do it. No I way. don't know. No, there's no way. I, no. I, no, I have no interest in it, and I've no, and I know it's because it's not, it's just not for me. Mm. So what you're saying is absolutely true. I, I, it's a thing you have. I don't have it. I and love, I don't want it either. I love doing it. Honestly, it's great. Yeah. But I also love people, and I love talking to all kinds of people. It's the reason why I'm a bartender in the first place. Um, oh, see, I subscribe to the Bukowski rule of, it's not that I don't like people, it's just that I feel better when there are none around. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but like, there's, you know. That's not true. I the like idea people. of being a brand ambassador, and like, I mean, a, let's face it, a big part of it is actually sales, right? So, there's... You know, like a lot of people get into the game and they're like, hmm, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go hang out at all these like cocktail events and cocktail bars and stuff. But like, then you have to, every once in a while, you've got to do like a training for like a TGI Friday staff in, you know, Boise or, or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, um, that's to me. A lot of fun, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's not because... Okay, the reason why I like that is because you get to teach people a skill. You get to inspire bartenders and, and servers and managers, owners, like that might not get that much love from 
bigger yeah. brands or right. any brands or right. their their distributors or salespeople. Um, you know, a lot of like control states don't Ugh. they don't have the access to like the distributors and salespeople. They have to like buy through like uh, you know like a third party like uh, a retail store. Yeah, and the retail store they don't know shit. They, they don't care. They don't care. You know, clock punch. They're not. Yeah, they're not gonna like. I mean, it's there, fine. There That's are the people, job they there chose. Are people I get who it. care, obviously. Sure. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like they're not going to come to your, your bar or your restaurant and do a training on a specific, like, product or even a category. They're not going to do shit. They're not going right. to come. Like, so that's where brand advocacy comes into play. And I, I, that's exciting to me. Yeah. I've met a lot of people who, who actually, like, they worked at, like, a Chili's. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were, like, that, that bartender was like, I'm behind the bar. Oh my god! I, I, finally, I worked my way into the bar. Yeah, I'm I really made excited it. about this. And then you know they're not allowed to necessarily like go off the menu because like sure. everything's kind of like batched or whatever you know corporate pricing etc. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they really want it, and so then they they'll like join the USBG or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then they they just want to get involved anyway that can. Then they start like networking with other bartenders, and you know then there then there are certain. People who won't hire you based on the fact that you worked at Chili's or whatever, you right? Know? It's like a weird catch twenty two. Yeah, but like you're really like eager, right? Yeah, that's where advocacy like, like is education. Advocacy. Education is yeah. Honestly, it's not just us, you know. But I think, it's also the network. A lot of times, like, if, we... you, if you, I mean, I know you've met tons of people, right, Charlie? Yep. Like this, yeah. Like this example, totally. And you've been able to connect them with the right people, yeah. Yeah, and based move, and move them to a position, move them to yep. a place they want yeah. to be. Yeah, and based on your connection yep. with them, you can in with the people you can connect people with other people, and then advance their careers. Yep, that's what a brand ambassador is to me. Sounds very fulfilling. Yeah, and speaking of that, I'm going to ask a question. Then, what's the most fulfilling part of the job for you? The most fulfilling part of the job for me is helping other people. Yeah, is and it. it Immediately, it's my team because again, I had such a great time, had a great ride. That it doesn't, it doesn't have to be hard. It's challenging, but if you're the right personality and you like those types of challenges and you like to be on all of the time, like there's no limit to this role. That's what I always say. And whenever we hire someone new and they come in, I'm like, this is, this is your role to make turn into whatever you want, like your wildest dreams. You know, that's what I was able to do. And sure, we have a rough idea of what we'd like you to do and here are some parameters, but if you want to blow this whole thing up and take brand ambassadors to like 7.0 or wherever we are now, <laughs> like there's no reason why it can't be you to do that. So that's the most rewarding thing for me is to empower people who have that spirit and kind of set them free and let them accomplish whatever they can. And it's the same philosophy to a brand ambassadors as it is to those bartenders that you meet in the middle of nowhere in a random place who perhaps you don't think have many opportunities but all of a sudden you see the passion right in their eyes or they'll ask you a question or they're just paying more attention than anyone else in the room and it's never the management it's always you know the bar back or the one that's overlooked and when you can catch on to that and put them in touch with someone or recommend a book for them to read it can really kickstart their career and that is so rewarding absolutely amazing that's what it's all about all right uh there are some friends outside who want to come inside and they want to bring us drinks do you mind if they come in charlotte i would love that i'm gonna invite them in um and then uh we are close to the end so i'm gonna do some wrap-up stuff too uh, super great having you on. Thank you uh, so much. It's been too long, and and I already see that the that the show feels like it was really short. So what we're gonna have to do is have you back on. Oh. Um, to talk great. more about cool stuff that you do, uh, and then. Uh, and again, I want to say this: like it's been, it's been about eight years since I started the show, and I'm, you've been on my my list of people that. I wanted to have on the show, so thank you for being on today, and thanks for. Uh, so great, thank you. Thanks gotta, for forcing. You just gotta there. tell them. You, I disapproach people, and I say, "Here are some dates. When are you coming?" Yeah. And then they pick a date. So I don't give them. You know, it's like you don't give a kid. You don't say to a kid, "What do you want for dinner?" They're gonna say chocolate cake. You say, "You can have <laughs> pasta, or you can have a pork chop," and then you still control make a the great choices. <laughs> I control the choice. Yep. Um, Charlie, you got uh, you got some social media you want us to follow you at, or or, uh, yeah. or, or your brands, or what what do you got? Yeah, Instagram, uh, Charlotte H D O Voisey. H D O. Um, 
I, they're my middle initials. I screwed up my first Instagram account, so I had to <laughs> go off piste. All right. Um, and then at Hendrix Gin, of course. All right. For yeah. Some beautiful photos and tasty cocktails. Cool. And then, uh, is there any? D- d- does the company have an Instagram or anything? Yeah. Um, at William Grant USA. William Grant USA. Yep. Or something. You something can find like it. That. Google. <laughs> the Google machine works for you out there. You yeah. Can use it. Uh, you can follow Damon and I at uh, Speakeasy Podcast on uh, Instagram and Speakeasy Radio on Twitter. Damon's Damon Bolte. I'm uh, Creative Drunk on all platforms. You can ask us questions there that we can ask our upcoming guests, uh, and we'll try and get them on the air. Uh, and then, uh, if you could, take a moment to write us a review on your uh, podcast uh, uh, or your f- favorite platform. Give us a star rating, uh, five if possible. Um, and if you're no, visiting... No, or- it's not... Do you want to do, do this many stars? Do you want to do this? Oh, that's no. right. You, you, yeah. you, you can give us too. four or five stars. Because, uh, that's yeah. your two choices. Four and a half or five. Yeah. Uh, if you're a New York City resident or you're visiting New York City, stop by the studio and hang out with us during an episode. Uh, reach out beforehand to make sure we'll be here, because sometimes we do uh, recorded episodes and we're not here. But speaking of that, in walks Nate Dumas. Uh, uh, and he's got... Uh, what do you got for us here, buddy? Hey, friends. Hey, buddy. Um, Good to hey. see you. Well... Thanks for letting me stop by. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to bum out. A whole bunch Charlotte. of folks in the no, studio it's all good of a sudden. To see you. I was very hesitant to come on by, but you invited me. I and, did. Um, I invite everybody, just like I just did. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, well, last time I was on, we were talking with Bruce, and we were talking about this particular whiskey that just came out from Wild Turkey, uh, the new Master's Keep. Um, 12 to 15 year old bourbon finished in Oloroso sherry casks and I just thought it'd be a fun time to come by and hang out with you guys and pour a little, little I think I had a little bit good. of that at, uh, at Tills oh yeah right at, uh, at Sylvain yeah you sure did yeah yeah awesome. Bruce you wanna say hi hey Bruce hey what's up guys nice to see you last nice time you were on the show it was uh, a phone call oh that's right yeah and I think we were talking about this so we made a product back in the 90s uh, granddad did Somebody had convinced. Uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, getting the cans. Somebody had convinced uh, Granddad to do something with sherry, and he was not too excited about that. And so, the product was unusual. Um, I don't know if it even spent much time in a sherry cask. It was fortified, so we'd poured some sherry in there. Uh, it was called Wild Turkey Sherry Signature, and we couldn't pay anybody to take a bottle. Uh, <laughs> so most of it is still sitting in our old bottling plant at Wild Turkey. But we thought, you know, it was ready to kind of remake that. So that's where the revival comes in. Uh, and we did it the right way. We took good whiskey. Uh, Dad went to Spain and, and picked out a handful of Oloroso sherry casks. It's been nine weeks in those. Um, and it's my favorite master's keep. Uh, I actually prefer it to the other stuff he's come out with. I think it's the best thing that we've come out with. So wait, how long ago did you do the thing where it's, it's still sitting? Uh, in the 90s. In the 90s. Uh, it was a 10-year-old 101. Uh, and... Uh, granddad just thought it was a complete waste of 10 year old one on one juice <laughs> right uh, so the, the product well, what was convinced kinda... him to move forward and do it uh, the company ah uh, yes yeah. the money that's right but I, th- like, I have to think like you know uh, you've got products on the market now like Jay Rieger that uh, adds yeah, I was going to say color, adds, Colorado whiskey from Stranahan yeah. Jay Rieger with the with the, their the with Kansas, their City, Kansas whiskey City whiskey and the which, monogram yeah and the monogram which I which, love sherry which and whiskey adds, I love sherry I love whiskey why not put them together it all mixes on the inside you know what so I'm like, saying it seems like you maybe were on the cutting edge of a thing that was from the past right Jay Rieger picked up their recipe because it used to exist and it disappeared due to prohibition they brought it back but you were doing it in the, in the 90s before they were doing it yeah like, I think you would be surprised if you look back not only with us but uh, us uh, Ancient Age Heaven Hill Jim Beam a lot of us were doing the stuff that people think is new now back in the 60s 70s and 80s yeah. uh, the difference is people back then really didn't care at all yeah. uh, they wanted their Jim Beam or their one on one or their Heaven Hill or their ancient age um, but now that whiskey is cool and people realize that we can do a lot of different things in the category and it's all good uh, we can have fun the category the, oh, there you go <laughs> there you go alright I'm reaching there's something out there. there's something we're at the end of the show I just had a few drinks um, <laughs> I had one <laughs> small French 75 and thank one you small for making those for that's us right. again uh, well guys uh, we're hey, right here at the end wanna, of the show I just want to yeah. say this you know this feels really good. Like, yeah, friends. This this reminds me uh, a lot of like, and we we definitely we like to open up the studio so people can come in and like hang out just like this. But doesn't it feel like when you're like out and about in New York City and you're popping around and you're hanging out at bars? Charlotte rolls in, Nate rolls in, 
guests from out of town. Bruce rolls in, yeah. out of town. Sarah Morrissey's standing way back there with a beer. Looking all cool. <laughs> Looking all cool. <laughs> I, like, it, this is like what happens. This this feels very like, this is like it. normal to me, but yeah. we just happen to be in a place that's not a bar. But like friends in the industry rolling in and out, like... This is cool, man. It is cool. We have friends, Damon. We got we're doing all right. We got, we got friends. <laughs> we do finally. Right. We got friends, and we got friends who bring us booze. Uh, yeah. That's delicious. Thanks again. Best kind of friends. Uh, Cheers, y'all. Noisy Voisy for bringing us uh, uh, French seventy fives uh, and carrying around cucumbers in your bag everywhere you go yep, for the boys. last twelve years. <laughs> um, thanks uh, to Nate Dumas uh, for bringing us some delicious wild turkey. What's the name again? Revival. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that that wraps up the show for me. Um, yeah, just want to mention. Don't, don't forget to go to heritageradionetwork.org uh, dot org. Click on the beating heart to uh, donate. Oh, you got something more to say? What's up? Yeah, man, you, you cut me off. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I will be down in Kentucky. Actually, speaking of uh, this, I'll be down uh, from Saturday to Sunday. Not overnight, but I'll be down. <laughs> I'll see you there this Saturday. Yeah, we will. Because uh, I'll be down at Camp Runamuck. Oh yeah, that's um, right. And I'll bring our studio's recorder. I'll be interviewing some folks down there, uh, poolside, campfire side. That's right. It'll probably be really slurry and blurry, but uh, can't wait to come down, Bruce. We got to talk about some stuff while we're down there. And, Let's do it. Drink yeah, some good whiskey. We'll drink some. We'll drink some okay whiskey. Mm, yeah, fair. <laughs> and uh, we'll be running around Louisville for that. Um, and hopefully uh, we'll get to see y'all while we're down there. I'll be at camp at night, but during the day uh, I'll be in Louisville. So if anyone wants to like hang out and grab lunch or anything, hit me up Sounds on great. social media. I guess I should mention as well, I'm taking off this weekend too. I'm going to BevCon. It's in L.A. this year for the mm-hmm. first time. Yep. I'm going to go over there and do a talk about pop-up bars, and I'm going to do a pop-up with Aaron Polsky at Harvard and Stone. Oh, nice. And then I'm going to... Um, uh, I, I'm going to be a part of what's called Let's Get Lit. Let's Get Literary yeah. uh, with Brad Thomas Parsons and a whole bunch of authors. I'm an author now. Yeah, you are. So I'm going to be reading an excerpt from my book at BevCon. Thanks, Matt. Um, well, you're not just going to like FaceTime no, on I'm your gonna, iPhone? I'm going to go how, there. That's how you did your whole book. That's right. I'm going to go there. <laughs> well, once again, what a great show. Thanks for everybody for showing up and hanging out in the studio. Uh, thanks for bringing us cool things to drink. And also, thanks for doing what you do in general to make sure that... Uh, uh, everybody's drinking educated and responsibly and uh, thanks for sharing all your wit, wit and wisdom with us here on the Speakeasy alright so for this week check out Heritage Radio for many more programs like this one and we'll see you n- the week uh, after we'll next we'll see you soon we'll see you soon cheers right, guys cheers everyone cheers. cheers so you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load knows that country music's gonna save your soul the Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.